Take your position. Remember it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. This morning we're talking about standing firm. I'm going to be teaching about standing firm from Ephesians chapter 6, verses, oh dear, 10 through 20. Uh, I was asked to. I'm speaking at a at a renewal or a revival event in Springfield at Springfield Presbyterian Church, and this is this is the passage I was given, so I am teaching it here too. It's what we call a double whammy. So, uh, as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I'm thinking, what does it mean to stand firm? And I have this lovely volunteer, as you can see. You comfy down there? Okay. Okay, so this posture that Parker's taken represents a lost person. And you're not going to find this illustration in a book because I made it all up, but I think it's useful. This posture represents a lost person or a spiritually dead person. As it relates to standing firm, Parker is dead already. Look at him. Not a lot of life going on. What defense does he have right now? None. He has no defense. So Satan is ruling his life and he is willingly asking, asking Satan to run over him by just laying there. Is that right? Okay. Parker, stand up. Alright, this represents somebody coming to faith in Jesus. Somebody has come along in Parker's life and shared the gospel with him and it, it made sense to him and now he is standing with the Lord. But is he standing firm? Do you feel like you're standing firm, Parker? If I come over there and try to push you down, do you think I could? No. I think I could too. <laughs> so, Parker has been saved by the gospel. The gospel message has made sense to him, and now he's standing. But he is not standing firm yet. But this is good news, because this is the first step. He's heard the message, and he's been saved by Jesus. So, Parker, welcome to the fight. So, what has changed about Parker? He's gone from death to life. He's gone from laying down to standing up. And that is a great, that's a great step. And again, he's not standing firm yet. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him in a posture that, is, that, that represents standing firm. And again, I made this up, so bear with me. But Parker, put your right foot back. Okay. Maybe back that way. You still look a little wonky. There you go. All right, so moving his foot back represents Scripture. He's, he's in the Word of God because he has a desire to understand more about God. So are you standing a little more firm now? You think if I came over there and pushed you, you'd still fall maybe? Don't know? Okay. All right, what about prayer? What did we say about prayer? Yep, so now he's got defense. If I, if I come up beside him, I, I might be able to still smack him or push him down, but at least he has... So another, another piece of his posture is strengthened, uh, and that's prayer. And then worship would be his right hand. So now, he's, got, he's in a fighting stance. He's got his foot back, which represents Scripture. He's in the Word. He's got prayer, right? He's got worship. He's gathering with people in belief of Jesus. And now, we're going to take the fight to Satan by moving forward, Right? That's called evangelism. We're going to share the gospel with people that we encounter. So now all of a sudden, Parker went from just standing to now he's fighting. He's joined the fight. He's, got his, he's reading scripture. He's praying. He's worshiping with other believers. And he's taking the fight 
He's, he's growing God's army through evangelism. See, look at him. He's a fierce warrior. Go sit down before you get in trouble. So this is how we stand firm. We join the fight. We don't just stand. We don't, this is not a fighting stance. And if we're in the fight, we must take a fighting stance. So I hope that was a good illustration to, to let you understand we, don't, we can't just passively stand with Christ. It's an active, we're in a fight with the spiritual realm, and we're going to learn more about this today. Let's read about what the Apostle Paul says in God's Word about standing firm in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I'm reading out of the NLT today. I went with NLT, so if you get lost in your own Bible, it's, uh, that's on me. But this is NLT also, so... A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, his dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the, the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as a God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. So, maybe a moment ago when I put Parker in a fighting stance, you thought, we're in a fight? Really? This is a fight? Well, we see here that Paul has introduced all this armor and this weapon, these weapons for the fight. So, if I didn't convince you we're in a fight, hopefully Paul did. So, we need to be in, in this fighting stance. So, the truth is this. We are in a spiritual fight whether you realize it or not. And if you don't realize it, you better wake up. Because what would happen... What, would hap what happens to a person if they enter a fight and they don't know that they're in a fight, but the other person knows that they're in a fight? What happens, Tucker? Uh, you're probably going to lose, right? If you're in a fight and you don't know you're in a fight and the other person knows, you're going to lose. So that is, that's the case for us. We are in a fight. And Satan is crafty. He is skilled. He is Tyson in his prime. Suddenly that fighting stance that Parker was so boldly showing us uh, makes a little more sense, doesn't it? John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And the notes in my hillbilly translation Bible says this, them's is fighting words. So this is a fight. The good news for us is the next line of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we know that Jesus already has victory over Satan, but we are still susceptible to getting punched in the face or, or cut or scarred by Satan. So we must fight. John Piper said it well when he said, life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. 
The Ephesians passage that we read says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So this spiritual battle is not with other humans. It's with the spiritual realm. We are fighting the devil who seeks to control people and make them oppose the work of God. This is going to be a little bit longer message today, so I'm speeding up my speech. I probably shouldn't do that. So as I've been studying this this week, I, I'm reading uh, Warren Wiersbe's commentary that LD uh, gave me. I know you all love LD so much, so I'm following his lead. But uh, And speaking of leaders, where's Dave at? I'm not, Jesus is the leader. I'm the guy on the raft hanging on for dear life. So just keep that in mind. Or I'm in the back of the boat laughing. I don't know which, but. Okay, so Wiersbe says this about Satan. The admonition Paul gave indicates that Satan is a strong enemy and that we need the power of God to be able to stand against him. Never underestimate the power of the devil. He is not compared to a lion and a dragon just for fun. The book of Job tells what his power can do to a man's body, home, wealth, and friends. Jesus called Satan a thief that comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Not only is Satan strong, but he is also wise and subtle. The Christian cannot afford to be ignorant of his devices. Some men are cunning and crafty and lie in wait to deceive, but behind them is, an arch, is the arch deceiver, Satan. He masquerades as an angel of light and seeks to blind men's minds to the truth of God's Word. The fact that Paul uses the word wrestle, which must have been used in a different version, indicates that we are involved in a hand-to-hand -hand battle and are not mere spectators at a game. Satan wants to use our external enemy, the world, and our internal enemy, the flesh, to defeat us. His weapons and battle plans are formidable. So, the Word of God tells us that we're in a fight. Warren Wiersbe and I agree that we're in a fight. So my question to you all is, are you fighting? Are you in the fight? Or are you just standing passively like a spectator at a game, as, as Wiersbe says? So, a spectator at a game would stand like Parker when he first got up here. He's weak. He's, he's, he doesn't have any defenses. He's not grounded in the Word of God and prayer and worship and evangelism. So he's, he's defenseless. He's just, he's, he's just here. He's just he's watching. He, he's laying down willingly, asking Satan to run over him. So let's, let's remember the passage, Ephesians 6, 10-12. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is a call to action. Paul's telling us that we're in a fight. And the next, verse, the next verses say, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all, all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, have I convinced you that we're in a fight yet by the fighting stance? Has Paul convinced you we're in a fight, uh, in a fight yet from all the armor and, and the weapons that he's given us? I sure hope so. Let's talk about the uniform that he mentions. The belt of truth. 
Satan is a liar. So how do we combat lies? We combat lies with the truth. The truth is a force of good for the Christian. The next piece of our uniform is the body armor of God's righteousness. Righteousness is right standing before God. Righteousness only comes to us through our belief in Jesus. That's the only way we're made righteous is by believing the message of the gospel. And uh, that's, the only, that's the only way we can become righteous. So God's righteousness makes us eternally invincible. We can physically die, but we will always be spiritually alive if we're standing with Christ. The next piece of our uniform are gospel shoes. We wear these gospel shoes to protect our feet as we fight Satan. Remember from our fighting, fighting stance, um, what causes us to, to move the fight forward is evangelism. So we put on these gospel shoes and we try to raise up other recruits for God's army by sharing the gospel with them. And one of my favorite verses, I keep talking about beautiful feet in here, but Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who share the good news. You'll keep those feet beautiful if you put on your gospel shoes and share the gospel everywhere you go. Dale's over there laughing at me. What about the shield of faith? This shield protects us against the fiery arrows of the devil. Satan is shooting evil at us through division and lust and anger and dissension and temptation and idolatry. Remember, King David's temptation was a beautiful woman. He looked out his window and he sees this woman and instead of looking away, he pursues her. And that sin leads to more sin, leads to murder, and just a, just a watch where you look is what I'm saying. We must guard ourselves with faith in Christ. We are to trust in the promises and the power of God through faith. Faith is a defensive weapon that protects us from the flaming darts of the enemy. Now, the helmet of salvation protects our minds. We want God to be in control of our mind, not Satan. So Eve succumbed to uh, temptation in the garden because she let Satan enter her mind. And, and the, thoughts of, uh, the thoughts of the fruit were, were enticing to her, so she was, she was deceived. She didn't have on the, the helmet of salvation at that time. The sword of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of mar marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Word of God is a weapon for us that is used for good, for God's good. And the Word cuts us to our heart and convicts us of our sin. And the Word of God pierces our heart. And when we use the sword of the Spirit against Satan, we're out to destroy him and keep him at bay and keep him from interrupting God's work. Jesus gives us a grand example of, of himself using the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. All that singing drive my throat out. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Count, as we read this, count on your fingers, hold your fingers up and count how many times he, Jesus says the Scriptures say. And then uh, Satan actually tries to use the Scripture against Jesus, but hold up your finger when, uh, when Jesus says it. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to Him, If you were the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem for the highest, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. So we see there that Satan tried to use the word uh, for himself. He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold up. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So three times Jesus used scripture to ward off the temptation of Satan. And this morning we talked about scripture and we talked about um, we talked a little about how people kind of pull verses out of context just to fulfill their own needs or, or to try to sell certain things to people. And um, really until we realize that we're in a fight, a spiritual battle, uh, that's when Scripture will come alive to us. If we actually believe that Scripture is the Word of God, then it, then it should shape us and change us. And then suddenly our desire to be in the Word will change. So Jesus uses Scripture to fight off the temptation of Satan. And this is exactly what you and I should be doing. But if we wait until the temptation happens, it's too late. If we're not in the Word and we're not filling our mind and our heart with the Word of God, when, when, when the temptation comes, we don't have the very first step of our fighting stance. We're standing, we're standing just like this, waiting for the devil to steamroll us. So this is a fight, and we better get in our fighting stance. We better put on, put on the belt of truth and the body armor, of God's righteousness and the gospel shoes and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And we better choose to stand firm because the devil is coming with flaming arrows. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stand up and passively be a spectator at a game? Or are you going to join the fight? Because if you're just standing there, not in your fighting stance, you're going to get run over. We must plant our feet firmly in the Word of God we must raise our hands in prayer and praise in defense of Satan's schemes. We must worship and willingly gather with the church on a regular basis. And then we move the gospel forward to take the fight to Satan and build up other recruits for God's army. This is how we stand firm. We're in Scripture. We're praying. We're worshiping. We're joining together. We're in communion with other believers. And we take the gospel to other people. So then you might be sitting here, this, this could be discouraging to some people, and we might think, oh my gosh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm behind. How do I play catch-up? How do I play catch-up? Everybody close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes and take a deep breath in loud enough for all of us to hear it. Now breathe out. I need it louder. Deep breath in. Out. All right, open your eyes. I don't think anybody died in that moment, Right? So there's still time to join the fight. Your judgment has not come yet, so stand firm, join the fight, and do it today. And when you join the fight, read Scripture and seek to understand it and what it says to do. And I've listed a couple of things that it, that it does say to do. It says, profess your faith and be baptized. It says, share the gospel with people. It says, love everyone. It says, give your first fruits to the church. Your money isn't yours, it's His. I'll read that one again. Give your first fruits to the church. Your money isn't yours. It's 
his. We talked about money at the business meeting, so I had to talk, throw that little tidbit and money about money out there. Give your first fruits to the church. After you join the fight, that'd be the next thing you do. I'm just kidding. Pray without ceasing and gather with other believers. These are all things that Scripture tells us to do. And as we mature in our faith, we'll, we'll gain a better understanding of why these things are important. These are all healthy things for the Christian to do. The final part of our passage, I'm closing out. I need about five more minutes, maybe. I don't know if this has been longer than normal or not. But The final part of our passage says this in verses 18 through 20 of Ephesians chapter 6. Throw that up there. If you can find it. If not, it's all right. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and to wield the sword. Prayer is the power for victory, but not just any kind of prayer. Paul tells us that these verses, in these verses, how to pray so that we will defeat Satan in our lives. He says, pray at all times. So scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean we need to, you know, to pray without ceasing does not mean to sit at home on your knees all day long and pray. We, there's other things. We just need to have a posture of, of full-time communication with the Lord. As we walk through our day, we think, Lord, how do you want me to, how do you want me to converse with this person? How do you want me to, where do you want me to go next after I leave here? This is, this is praying without ceasing, just to be in constant communication and, and need for the Lord in your life. And remember, prayer is our left hand and our fight stance. Paul also says, stay alert and persistent in your prayers. So when we pray, uh, we need to pray for our needs and we need to pray for the needs of others and we need to praise the Lord and give thanks in our prayers. Don't just pray when uh, kids, when you're studying for a test, don't just pray for, uh, I hope I get this job promotion. We need to be praying about deeper, deeper things than that. We need to be praying about spiritual things. When, when you wake up in the morning, you need to pray, Lord, please be with me today and don't allow Satan to draw me away from you. Pray for, your, pray for strength for your faith. Pray for endurance. Pray for joy. Pray for protection. Pray for peace. Pray for contentment. And pray these things for yourself and for others. And when you finish praying for these things for the day, go to bed, wake up, and do it again tomorrow. That's another part of praying without ceasing. It's a daily thing that we do. And the truth is this, we are in a fight and we are in a war. But the amazing thing is that Jesus has already won the war, but we still have battles on this earth to fight. We're still susceptible to temptation. We're still susceptible to physical and emotional pain. Jesus has won the war by coming to this earth, but we're still fighting battles. And understanding this truth comes from standing firm in the faith, which is, which is what I'm preaching about is to stand firm. So if we're standing firm, we know that Jesus already has victory. But while we're on this earth, we'll still have trials and troubles. So because of this, we fight. Because of this, we stand firm. Because of this, we don't just passively watch like a spectator at a game. We get in the fight. We take our stance. We put on our armor and our helmet and we grab our sword and we fight. And when the scales fall from our eyes and we see Jesus for who he is for the first time, 
we are brought from death to life, just like Parker was. He was laying down dead. He heard the gospel and he stood up. And that's when he woke up, but he still wasn't standing firm at that point. And our standing firm is a lifelong earthly commitment. We, we're in the Word. It's not, we don't waver. and We do at times, but that's not the intention. We, we choose to do everything we can to be um, seen as righteous before God. So at this point that the gospel shared with us and we come to life, we're still vulnerable and we're always vulnerable. But, but in the beginning, we have to commit to these spiritual disciplines. It's at this point that we're awakened that we must enlist and join the fight by planting our feet in the word, lifting our hands in prayer, praise and worship, and then taking the fight to, to the enemy by sharing the gospel. And I want to close out by reading one of my favorite parables. It's the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And that is Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. If I may take another drink. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up, and it choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, You were permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell on the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's Word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So let's be the people that stand and fight in the fertile soil. Let's be honest and good-hearted people who hear God's Word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. This is a fight. If there's one sentence that you should take away today, I'm gonna, I've, something came to me the, a week ago and said, Tink, you should be able to summarize every sermon that you give in one or two sentences. And the summary this week is, this is a fight. If you don't realize that you're in a fight, you're laying down just like part. You might be standing up. Uh, hopefully you're standing up if you're here. Uh, but you're still susceptible to get steamrolled by Satan if you aren't doing these other things. So this is a fight. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in our fighting stance, wearing our armor and wielding our sword, we are walking alongside you against the enemy, Satan. We know that you have already reigned victorious in the war, but we are still fighting battles on this earth. 
Thank you so much for lifting the blinders off of our faces. You have brought us from death to life. You have saved us when we went. You, when you saved us, we went from laying down to standing up. As we mature in our faith, we get better at fighting the good fight. Give us endurance to fight the good fight until our final days here on earth. When you call us to come join you in heaven where we won't have to fight anymore, I want to lift up everyone in this room that has chosen to join the fight, that they have strength, energy, and joy and desire to do your will. I also want to lift up everybody in this room that doesn't yet know you. I know that there's at least one here. I pray that your spirit wakes them up for the first time today and they, that they decide to join the fight. If we aren't in the fight, we are dead now and we are dead forever. And my desire, and I know your desire, is for people to join you in your kingdom. So let all of us in this room come alive for you right now. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.